0: Uh, hi there, listeners, and hi there, Luke. Oh, hi there, Evan. This week, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be doing 13 Ghosts. So, uh, 13 Ghosts, just for our listeners who uh, are not 100% sure what that is, 13 Ghosts is, uh, is a 2001 horror film. When Cyrus Kritikos, a very rich collector of unique things, dies, he leaves it all to his nephew and his family, all including his house,
1: his fortune, mm-hmm. and his malicious collection of yeah. ghosts. I... I hate to, Evan. I wanna, I wanna correct you a little bit. That doesn't sound like the Scooby Doo. That doesn't sound like you want to. But should you? This is thir- This is thirteen uh, ghosts. This is this not what we what we're covering. I this should week? have linked you. I shouldn't have just sent you those words for what we're covering this week. But I feel like it's a little bit on you because we covered thirteen ghosts of Scooby Doo before. You should have recognized this is not episode two of Scooby Doo. Are you sure it's not just thirteen ghosts stylized?
0: Thir- uh, stylized in some cases, uh, capital T hir
1: one e N- ghosts Is there at least a dog in this movie? We can do it if there's a dog. Matthew Lillard
0: is in this movie, if that helps no. at all. No. Yeah. No. He's one of the main characters. He was one of the main cast. That's, that's kind of crazy. Also, Tony Shaloub. <laughs>
1: the cover of this are you looking at the poster of this movie man yeah it's right in front of me with all the like the little pictures that make up the face that has the title in the mouth Mm-hmm. that almost looks like a comedy poster <laughs> what kind of comedies do you watch it looks too silly it looks too silly to be scary like the face is more surprised than scared this is what was frightening ma- in the early odds. okay i guess so Oh my god. That's not what we're doing today, Evan. We're doing episode 2 of 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Which is also to say that this is not a horror movie
0: podcast. This is scooby Dudes. Yeah, that was the first tip-off you should have had, is that we have a Scooby-Doo podcast. Uh, We're two two, uh, best friends, Mm. and we're talking about our favorite meddling kids.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) We're two co-hosts at this point.
0: The way it works is that you say best friends, and I... I question I'm flipping that. the script, bro. I go out on a limb just once. You turn that back on me? I
1: love you listeners, and today we're here to talk about uh, The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, Episode 2, Scoobra-Kadoobra. And that that's it. This, this is our, uh, our unwieldy introduction to the episode. Without
0: further ado, brah. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you.
1: Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're
0: LGBTQ, we are
1: your scooby Doo's. So it's it's been a little while since we
0: did the 13 Ghosts
1: of Scooby-Doo. We did it and then we decided we needed to go back to basics, get to some classics. But I think this is one of the most recognizable versions of scooby-doo that we've done with a character that a lot of our fans have really hung on to are you talking about vincent van Gogh? yeah that's right vincent van Gogh, and uh, also daphne wearing that jumpsuit i consider her a different character in that outfit it's weird that she's still wearing the jumpsuit a little bit like it's yeah. almost like after the first episode
0: I thought that that was it.
1: Yeah, it, it, and they changed up some stuff. Like, they're in a totally new vehicle this time around, but the jumpsuit remains. I think everyone else's outfits are about the same.
0: We did, uh, we did To All the Ghouls I've Loved Before, that was our episode 4. So it's been, it's been a long time. This is episode
1: 17 we're doing right now yeah. since we last came through this show. Man, it's been over 10 episodes. And this is a serial version of Scooby-Doo. There's a longer narrative here. So we are talking about a character named Vincent Van Gool, about another character named Flim Flam, and about a story device in which we're trying to gather the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo. If this is all new to you, please go back and listen to episode four. Yeah, definitely just check that out. Did you you want to talk about the intro? Because that also, like breaks it down. Let's talk about the intro and then get into the episode. So the intro, I kind of like the intro music, can I just say that from the start? It kind of got me jazzed. It's not bad, yeah, it's very lively. Very lively organ music that was both thrilling and light, which is really that sweet spot that you want Scooby music to fall in. And uh, and that introduces what happened. It's Vincent Van Gogh, voiced by Vincent Price, telling us that the gang must uh, find these 13 ghosts and return them to this chest. Scooby and Shaggy say, why us? And, and he is, says, because you released them. Yeah. Like you, it's you're at fault here. It was one episode ago. You guys released all these 13 ghosts from this chest. And now, episode by episode, they're going to be capturing these 13 ghosts.
0: So this episode, it opens up on the Himalayas, which is where they met Vincent Van Gogh, whatever. And he's yeah. uh, he has, he's contacting the gang, uh, which is just Scooby, Scrappy, Daphne, Flim Flam, and Shaggy. I don't know why i said shaggy last um uh, via crystal ball and he's informing them that uh that he's located one of the ghosts
1: Mm, by the name of maldor the malevolent um and this ghost is trying to get the wonder wand of zakraz the wonder wand of zakraz are you saying zakraz zakraz i think right zakraz
0: i i I looked it up on the wiki uh oh
1: zagraz you're right i misspelled that So,
0: he's contacting them through a crystal ball. Uh, They're in... How would you
1: describe the vehicle? The vehicle is is not the mystery machine. It's a van, but it's not the mystery machine. It looks like an angry red armored car.
0: Yeah, it's got uh, two wheels, or rather four wheels in the back, and then Mm. two in the front. And it is, yeah, it is reddish. Um, It looks like a
1: sporty utility vehicle, right?
0: Yeah, I was going to say something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it
1: almost looks military.
0: What I like is that um, as they're being contacted... Scooby, Scrappy, Aggie, and Flim Flam. This is so. I hate. Oh, it's and really frustrating yeah. to go through all of that. They're well. They're in the back. Daphne's in the front driving, and what I really I like this little mm-hmm. touch. I found it very cute. Is uh in the
1: passenger seat with a seatbelt over it is the chest for the for the ghost. Which is safe driving. If you are ever driving with a heavy object, you should buckle it up because in the case of an accident, that becomes a dangerous projectile within the vehicle. Yeah. Um so and and like you said, Vincent Van Gogh informs them
0: that it's Maldor the malevolent. He he tells them that Maldor is in search of the
1: wonder wand of Zadgras. And Scooby says the Wonder Wand of And Vincent responds, No, that's not what I said. I said the Wonder Wand of Zagraz. It's almost like he doesn't understand Scooby's accent. Granted, Scooby did say it m- very Scoop-like. Unusually Scoop-like. Uh, I,
0: I really like that. I thought that was funny. Um, Flim Flum asks, How do we find him, Vince? Vince says,
1: He'll find you. But go to this castle. Like, he'll find you, but also go find him. I'll go to the castle of Esmeralda that's where the wand is hit, princess esmeralda
0: yes uh and then it, it gets very foggy much like uh actually we've seen this scene a lot we've seen this in the warlock of wimbledon we've seen this in the globetrotters episode the, a, the ghostly creep from the deep in which they're in a van and they're just traveling through like a foggy like foggy woods
1: foggy forest yep and, and here the forest becomes distinctly more foggy and scary and gnarled trees and kind of scary english countrysidey and we also get one little tidbit that Vince gives us from that distance. Again, he's just offering remote support from the Himalayas that the Wonder Wand of Zagraz will uh, provide Maldor with this mystic energy that will make him all powerful. So they need to keep this wand out of Maldor's hands.
0: It's, it's kind of like the one ring of
1: this world. Yeah, it kind of is, except it's not a ring. It's shaped like something completely different, which looks like a glammed up soup ladle. Yeah, I was gonna say a bejeweled ladle. It's a spoon. It's clearly a spoon with, like, these jewels not just along the handle, but one in the actual ladle part. Like, there's gonna be a jewel in the soup. And also, take notes, animators, of, um...
0: Of, I Left My (laughs) Neck in San Francisco.
1: These are jewels. This is how you show jewels, yeah.
0: This is how jewels look valuable. That was the last, last episode. Uh, sorry, a little bit
1: of a callback. yeah, so it's in which the jewels looked like rock candy that had been rolled in dirt. <laughs> Here they at least look like jewels on this golden ladle, which is a wand. Remember, it's a wand, not a spoon. So when we first talked about the thirteen ghosts of Scooby
0: Doo, uh, we talked a little bit about how this was a show that had like a lot of like the occult in it. Like they say, they say ghosts and demons interchangeably. And and there was that criticism you found you found that documentary.
1: Yeah, the uh, what was it called? The deception of the generation or the corruption of the innocent or something along those lines. Yeah. Some very extreme alarmist point of view on this series.
0: And it's interesting cuz yeah, this guy was like, "Oh, like this isn't like our our you know, this isn't our dad's Scooby-Doo. Like this is like a different Scooby-Doo." Um
1: and I yeah. will say that this show it doesn't negate his point it really doesn't it's got a lot of occult stuff in it and one of my favorite parts of the scooby-doo formula which is them finding a villain and and exploring this mystery and unmasking the villain is totally absent from this series there's none of that mystery at all i I bring that up we we talk about
0: like how scary scooby-doo is quite a bit Mm. and i think i think the scariest moment of this episode it happens so early on because they're um they're looking at a map that has been affixed to the inner wall of, of the i guess it's not the mystery machine
1: of the van it can't be the Mystery Machine. For one thing, the Mystery Machine is always empty when we look inside. But this van is loaded up with tech. In fact, this must be a surveillance van of some sort because it's got like tape decks on the wall, these broad Yeah, it, it almost looks like an FBI-like vehicle. Exactly that, sort. yeah. A surveillance van that again has been painted angry red.
0: They're looking at this map and they're trying to figure out like what the deal is. Like how are we gonna get to this castle? And all of a sudden, the map bursts into flame, mm-hmm. which is like startling. And what makes it worse maldor's face appears in the center of these flames and says come get uh i can't i can't remember the voice but he says come get me mortals i dare you it, the come at me bro of villains have you have you seen it like have you ever seen any of like the miniseries it i haven't it's it's just one of those things where like horror comes like in the most unexpected places and it's not like it's not like startling scary but it's just like the fact that it's happening at all is frightening
1: Yeah, like, Um, his face in the gutter, that's a scene I'm familiar with. Yeah, so that's what this reminds me
0: of, is, like, Maldor just, like, coming out, and, like, I think it's, if it happened to you, you'd be scared, because you're looking, you know, like, this was back in the day when people used, like, E-bombs world and stuff like that, but it would be, like, a song... You'd be like, you'd be reading along to the lyrics of a song, and all of a sudden, like, a, w- a scary witch face would pop up. <laughs> oh, yeah. They do jump scares,
1: like the original Rick Rolls. Yes.
0: Yeah, so it's this is like that. They're concentrating on something. Oh, yeah. They're looking at it really closely, and then all of a sudden, so the,
1: it's... The example that comes to mind that I think most people in our generation have been pranked with is the, uh, you're doing a very small maze yes. with your mouse, and you can't touch the sides. And then right as you get to the hard part, when you're leaning into the screen, there's a jump scare.
0: And so that's kind of what this is like. And, um, yeah, I think you want to talk about what Maldor looks like.
1: His appearance is part of what makes this scary. It made me think of the Team Ico games, like uh, Shadow of the Colossus and Ico, uh, in that there's these uh, purely shadow characters with horns. And that's what Maldor is. He's completely... He's like a shadow with yellow eyes and multiple horns. You know the thing... Long, thin horns. Really...
0: And like he wears like robes, he wears like these like purpley purpley Purply, robes. Yeah. The weird thing about Warm-y Maldor's robes. horns is they come out the top of his he- front top of his head. Like, um, I'm motioning, but our listeners cannot see this. Yeah, okay, no, it looks like
1: this, Evan. They're they're coming out of yeah, his forehead that? like
0: swords, like that. They kind of look like
1: white sword blades. Yeah, these aren't like Viking horns coming off of the sides. They're coming out of the front, like almost like more like elephant horns. But he has hair right? Tusks. He has like really long hair coming out of the
0: back and the thing is it looks like those horns extend through the back of his head and they come out of his hair. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: He has a horn mullet coming out of the back of his head that's all I could think of. But it, I they look like the same horn to me. Almost like somebody stuck two horns all the way through his head and they remain.
0: Um, this might be a bit more of a throwback to some of our older listeners but to me Maldor looks a lot like Orko from He-Man. And you're looking that up right now. I can tell you're right, and I feel like you're gonna back me up after you see this.
1: I can I can definitely back that up. The, the yellow eyes, the completely shadowed face, some of the outfit, and the hands. Not the the horns are not there, but the rest is. No, Orko doesn't have horns.
0: Though um, DC Comics, so I guess this is appropriate because we've done like a DC Comics Scooby Doo book. DC Comics was doing a He Man book, in which like a dark Orko was like a villain. And Dark Orko did have horns, though they were not quite like these ones. Anyway, we have only gotten into, like, mm. a few minutes of this episode. Um, one thing that is notable about this th- very frightening scene, which, again, I think it's very scary, is that Flim Flam is the brave one. Flim Flam is the one who's kind of like, ah, oh, like you don't scare us, you,
1: you creep. F- Scrappy is scared. Oh, man. Scrappy is so sidelined by Flim Flam in this whole episode, and it makes me think in the whole series, because Scrappy is typically the brave one who acts as a foil to Scooby. Here, Flim Flam is clearly the surrogate for children watching this show, and he's made to be the brave, clever one. Scrappy is scared all throughout this. I don't think he stands up to anything once without
0: being frightened. After the flame head, you see Scrappy, and his face is, like, full of fear. And when he says... Like, everything's going to be fine, Uncle Scoob. Like, things are going to be, like, we're going to beat him up. Typically when he does that, he's doing it because Scooby is scared. This time he does it, and it's like he
1: needs the reassurance. It's kind of sad for Scrappy. Like, bringing Flim Flame into this series feels like bringing a second drummer into the band while trying to reassure your first drummer, like, no, we just need, like, a little extra percussion. But, like, he's going to sit behind the set now, and you're going to sit beside the set now. The more that we frame this, the worse and more sympathetic I feel towards Scrappy. I don't like that. I don't like
0: this sympathy towards Scrappy I'm feeling. This love of the enemy. Sympathy for the doggy. Have I made... I feel like I've made that joke somewhere.
1: I'm not sure. Um, and from there, after we see M- Maldor's face, we cut to the intro. Again, it's thrilling. I think it's a, v- a very good intro. Especially compared to the series, which is very choppy animation. Oof, I like that music.
0: So Scooby, Scooby pulls a cord in, in the van as if it were a bus... And, which causes Daphne to break. They all get out. Uh, they have no idea where they are because, again, it's, an, it's incredibly foggy. They have, like, almost no visibility. Um, we then go to the castle. We kind of get a little bit more setup. Maldor has the princess in kind of like a sleeping beauty, or, or kind of like kind of like the coffin that Snow White is in at the end of Snow White.
1: Almost like a cross between one of those two slash the, the tube that Neo is in in the Matrix. It's, it's like a it, little capsule.
0: Really? You think it's like the tube that Neo was in in the Matrix?
1: I don't know if I'm... <laughs> it's full of goop, and he's like, wires are coming out of his body. So it's nothing like the tube in the Matrix, but it is like the things that Evan mentioned. and uh, So Maldor has put Princess
0: Esmeralda into a magical sleep. It's supposed to be called like the sleep of the century. Um, but he has
1: covered her face with a cloth? A veil. It's uh, Yeah, like a veil, but it really looks like they just threw a cloth over her face. Which is not to say we can't see any of her. Yeah, we can see Esmeralda's arms and feet. And they make me think Esmeralda is a werewolf. They made me think Esmeralda was literally Scooby. Because (laughs) she has Scooby feet and Scooby hands, or like Scooby paws on both. And the cloth covering the face does not belie the fact that there is a big snout. There is a large snout on this face. I just couldn't, man, I just, what is the deal with Maldor? You've already put this person
0: into an eternal sleep but you're going to turn them into a werewolf as well? Like, what's your damage, dude? You're like the guy who, like, sets someone on fire and then throws them out of a
1: plane. <laughs> like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you deep into the pit of despair, and I'm also going to, like, kick you in the shin first. Yeah, like, it's, it's overkill. It's, those are my impressions watching this episode. My impression was that this was Scooby of some sort, or you'd think so, because it looks identical to Scooby at the paws and the face, but clearly has a woman's body. I'll leave it there, but this is clearly a woman's... in all the right places. This is a woman who has blossomed. Maldor says, he's kind of monologuing for the sake of the audience while we're in the castle, that he has made every inch of her beautiful forest as evil as he is. Why did Uh, you say that that (laughs) way? What? What? That's what he says. What is wrong with you? Maybe I I didn't get the timing exactly right. He made every inch of
0: her beautiful forest forest. <laughs> as evil as he
1: is. Yeah, because he's transformed the forest that the gang is in. Uh, and he says, Princess Esmeralda, you shall sleep till the end of time for denying me what I want. The Wonder Wand of Zagras." It's Zagras? Yeah. Is it Zadgras? It oh is. man, I totally misheard that. I thought it was Zadgras and then Zagraz. No, I, I had to look it up because I, 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 I couldn't discern
0: exactly. Okay, so... Well, Daphne, Scrappy, and Flim Flam, they are looking for a road sign. They're looking for a way to get to the castle. In the meantime, Scooby and Shaggy are like, hey man, let's eat. What happens next is a little scene which I'm realizing is one of my all-time favorite Scooby-Doo-type scenes. Which is Scooby and Shaggy making enormous d- Dagwood sandwiches. Because they always, like, they continue stacking ingredients
1: up until the sandwich is, like, a foot thick. Yeah, and then the question is, are they going to get their mouth around this? They always do. Are they going to do the unhinged jaw thing? Oh, yeah, always. The, the weird thing to me about that scene is that it's foggy, it's scary. Scooby and Shaggy just walk into the fog away from everyone else to eat uh, eat food in this scary setting. Why would you... What's your thinking there, guys? It's it's pretty perplexing. And equally
0: perplexing, I would say, are Maldor's motivations. Because
1: Maldor says, come and get me. You, like you said, come and get me, bro, essentially. Yeah, pretty much, like, come at me. He wants them to come up there, which doesn't... He's in the castle to find the wand on his own. He should be searching for the wand actively right this moment. Maldor then
0: sees them... Um, make their way i guess through like the magical wards or spells or whatever that he's put up and wonders how these mortals got through so he was kind of like come get me but then also he did not want them to come get him at all
1: yeah he wants to prevent them from coming and also vincent said he'll come to you but really it just seems like he doesn't know what he wants Maldor just he's lonely maybe i think Maldor's is lonely yeah, he's a He's He's all all over the place. But yeah, no, he could be lonely. That could make sense. Maldor creates uh, two Ents. That's what I wrote here. Oh, yeah, that's right. So Scooby and Shaggy are making these Dagwood sandwiches you indicated in the one nice spot in the forest, which Maldor says is the one spot that his magic missed.
0: Yeah, it's like a little bit of a grassy knoll, and there are, like, apple trees above them.
1: Yeah, apparently this is a blind spot for Maldor, but not a permanent one, because he immediately transforms this into another scary spot, as you said, turning the trees into Ents. (laughs) Um... Or actually, what came to mind for me wasn't Ents, but the uh, the fighting trees in The Wizard of Oz who fling apples at Dorothy. You know what I'm talking about? In like the movie? In the movie, yeah. Which was, for me, one of the scariest parts of the movie. Like, there's these trees that uh, Dorothy tries to grab an apple off of, and they like grab her and throw apples at her, and they're like, "Can I really, Let me? oh, please YouTube this. Please YouTube You're this. You're just gonna have to edit this out later. Wizard
0: of Oz apple trees. Because this sounds really frightening.
1: Yeah, like, you don't remember it, but you the hair on the back of your neck is standing up. All right, up. There's, the wi- there's the witch. She's creeping around.
0: Who was the lady who played Dorothy? Uh, Judy Garland. Was she always cute? I think so. Huh. Huh. Oh! Oh! These trees <laughs> yeah. are terrifying! They're
1: super terrifying,
0: man Because they're clearly like men in suits To the point where they're bending their knees But they're really scary
1: Yeah, and like grabbing her
0: I don't like this at all, man, what the frick No, it's really uncomfortable So they're, Uh. I mean, they're attacked by monster trees And the trees are really violent
1: Like, the trees are like We'll snap you two like twigs Yeah, they're, the trees are really going to attack them And they grab Scooby and Shaggy by the shoulders Like lifting them up and shaking them uh they, they do manage to escape. Uh they, they then bump into the
0: rest and I'm so tired of saying their names, but Daphne, Flam Flam and Scrappy. Uh and but the trees are right behind them. But by the time the trees get there, all uh that they find are five uh like shrubs or bushes rather, because they say, Hey, did you
1: bushes see a human and a dog run by here? And the bushes point in the other direction. Obviously like, yeah, they went that away. Thanks a bushel and then they, they walk away. It's fun. It's I I like that. Um, I like the hiding gags where they hide behind something and you can tell who's hiding behind what based on their size. That's a that's a gag. That's pretty consistent. I do like that a lot.
0: I also really like that the gang as a whole is a lot more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like an adjective you would use to describe Loki from Norse mythology, not from Marvel comics. Like mischievous, like trickstery. They're very
1: sneaky. They're conniving.
0: They they look like they do these things, but like they they're having fun with it you know i feel like while they're doing this bush gag i kind of feel like they're enjoying themselves a little bit it's uh, it's fun it's close it's friendly so they're back in the van and they're driving i guess finally towards the castle Hmm. and maldor is like getting increasingly more frustrated that he can't keep them away and this is sort of like an exhibition of maldor's powers because he somehow sort of like reaches in magically and uses his hands to close off their path. Uh, Daphne breaks, and unfortunately, unlike the chest, um, the crystal ball that they used to, c- to contact Vincent Van Gogh has not been strapped in with the
1: seatbelt. Not a bit. No, it goes bouncing out of the van and into the lake. Just before that, we should note, they tried to contact Vincent Van Gogh again, and all that came up was a sign saying, out to lunch. Yeah, that's right. And in that same gag, uh, Flynn Flam said, we are so lost and he looks at his compass, and in the north-south-east-west spots, it just says lost, 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 lost.
0: Yeah, so really, when Flim Flam said, my compass says we're lost, his compass always says that they're lost. Uh, it always says that.
1: Flim Flam, you need to get a new effing compass, man. It's the opposite
0: of, like, the magic compass in parts of the
1: Caribbean, in that this compass never tells you anything. This is a prank compass, but it's exactly the kind of thing Flim Flam would carry. And uh, and now our one real resource is bounced out of the van. Vincent Van Gool's a telephone crystal ball. It's on a lily pad, and it's kind
0: of floating. They build a raft in a really weird oh, way. Oh,
1: this is such a... You know, the one thing, if you ask me what will recur from the first episode to the second episode, I would have said, of course, Bogle and Weird, the two ghosts from episode one. Yeah. The last thing on my list would have been what they make. Which is, the, uh, uh, we'll build a... I can't do Flim Flam's voice.
0: We'll build a raft. Watch. Good idea, oh, RimRam. What's... I really like that
1: Scooby calls him Rim Ram. <laughs> we should start calling him Rim Ram. <laughs> I
0: don't want to. I don't want to do that. That sounds bad. Um, so they start blowing up these pretty large, I would say like three foot long, yellow balloons. Like they're really big balloons. They're blowing them up. And yeah. Scooby.
1: Rim Ram just magics them out of his pocket and starts blowing them up. As does Scooby. Scooby off screen ties
0: them together, and what we're left with is a raft, but also like an inflatable duck?
1: It's, yeah, it's like an inflatable duck balloon animal. But it's the same- with
0: a straight up inflatable duck it's head. It's the same, uh, it's essentially the same inflatable duck from the first episode.
1: Apparently there's a running gag in this series that Scooby will always produce an inflatable duck.
0: And if you thought that was weird, here comes what I believe is the weirdest part of- No, sorry, it's not. This
1: is the second weirdest part of the whole episode. This is the second weirdest part. It could vie for the weirdest part. Man, this took me by such surprise when they get on the duck and they go on the ri- the the river and so the the crystal ball is bouncing, and Flynn
0: says, uh, "Follow the bouncing ball." That's a little bit closer. Um, and yeah. and all of a sudden, the bounce. They're singing row, "Row row row your boat," and the bouncing
1: ball becomes the bouncing ball of like old school sing-alongs, telling you which word is coming next, bouncing from one word to the next. Uh- on the lyrics of "Row, row, row your boat," and the lyrics that it's bouncing on are in Scooby's voice. They pop up on screen, and
0: they're like, "Yeah, row, row, row your boat, rently," uh, and they're like, "Rarely, rarely, rarely,
1: rarely." Rife is run our dream, and it's so
0: it's so weird. There's no reason this should
1: have happened. It's it's like a not like a real children's cartoon, like a Blue's Clues kind of song that the crystal ball bounces along for. And it's like a one scene gag that drags on a little bit. In fact, I'm gonna say. This is the third weirdest part of the episode, and I really? think I know what you think is weirder. But there's one thing. The that... weirder, the weirder part is literally just about to come up. There's some
0: stuff that happens, but like to to cut right to the chase, they do get the ball. Mm. Um, they uh, uh, uh Vincent's arm literally like extends from the crystal ball, pointing in the direction of the castle because apparently they can't see it. It's right behind them. Yeah, they're it's like, like my, right there. They're like my cousin. My cousin was downtown one time uh, in Toronto, and two tourists came up to him. And they said, uh, excuse me, can you tell us where the CN Tower is? And he looked up past them, behind them, where the, the tallest structure <laughs> in Toronto was standing, and I think in all of Canada, and then pointed behind himself and said, it's that way.
1: <laughs> so he gave them the wrong directions. Yeah. Did they, did they take it? Did they walk that way? Yes. You guys are jerks up in Canada. <laughs> These poor stupid tourists.
0: I don't know, man. If you can't, like, from most places in the city, you can see the CN Tower.
1: He pointed to the smallest building in the city and said, It's that one right there. I guess if at that point they think it is, they're getting to see a building they think is the CN Tower. That's what really matters. That's what really matters for them.
0: Basically, they get a little bit closer. Scooby sees a rabbit. Maldor. Uh, creeps out from behind a tree and turns that rabbit into a dragon. The dragon then starts to menace them.
1: Yeah, and that's meldor's power, is he can turn nice things into bad things. That's the power of Maldor. And uh, this dragon blows fire at scooby doo and from there we have a hard cut. The hardest cut I've ever seen in a scooby doo episode. And we hear sort of like a uh, and and we see Special like a, editorial from Scooby-Doo news yeah we actually see news yeah
0: we actually see like like a uh... I don't know what it's called. Like, a placard? Like, like it's, it's a new screen. It's like it's like a screen introducing, like, a news segment.
1: Yeah, like, we interrupt this, your uh, scheduled programming to bring you this announcement. Which, and we actually see Shaggy. He's behind a desk. He has a papers in front of
0: him. His hair is slicked back. Yeah, he's wearing a blue suit. This is a reporter Shaggy. Yeah, he's like, like, we interrupt our program with this special editorial from the Scooby-Doo show. Uh, and he introduces our correspondent, Scrappy-Doo. And we gotta... We
1: have to break this down. Scrappy-Doo is who we cut to. He's reporting from the Department of Television No-No's, and Scrappy is also dressed like a reporter. He's he's interviewing um, the Television No-No correspondent, Loretta Cut It Out. Yes, a TV No-No expert. And she she says, hey, I've got a problem with this dragon blowing fire. Scrappy, like, uh, uh, you got
0: something against dr- do you have something against dragons? I, look, I don't feel bad about not getting the Scrappy voice right, You shouldn't, because the Scrappy actor, whoever voices Scrappy in this show does
1: not do a very good job. Nor a very consistent job. That's been the one consistent thing with Scrappy, is that his speech impediment is all over the place. It's like the mole on the king's face in uh, Men in Tights, like it's almost a joke that it's different every time. It's, yeah,
0: I don't know, but like in this particular episode I feel like his pitch is all off. It's all over the place
1: and again loretta cut it out says you shouldn't have flames on television perhaps because it's a kids tv show and Scra- yeah, it's more that fire is dangerous yeah and scrappy goes her stance. scrappy goes on the offensive like you see his brow furrow and he starts walking towards her making her back off yeah admit it you hate dragons yeah you're a dragon racist and she's like, no, 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 I just think fires are dangerous. And Scooby says, what do you expect dragons to do if they can't act on television? Yeah, when was the last time you visited the
0: unemployment line?
1: Dang, this is getting kind of real. Is this a parallel? Are we talking about
0: racism through dragons? I don't think it's racism. I think it's like, I I took it to be them retaliating against guys like that guy who put that documentary together. Saying that Scooby-Doo was a little, like, too scary or too occult occultic. Um... And them being like... Oh. What's, like, lashing out against their critics, a la uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Sorry, spoilers for a movie that came out a long time ago in Lady in the Water.
1: When was, what was the lashing out in that movie? I do remember it.
0: So what happens in Lady in the Water is one of the characters in it is a film critic, uh, and I think he's the only person who dies in that movie. <laughs> and it's so... It's such, like, a bare-faced, like, lash, lashing out against film critics that I can't not like it. It's so, it's so shameless. He, when he dies, he's talking about how he, he has to survive because of like film tropes or something like that.
1: Yeah, it makes sense that he wouldn't die based on how all movies are formatted.
0: Yeah, kind of like, I think he says something about him being like a character who, who has to survive so he can like redeem himself or something like that.
1: It's amazing to me that M. Night Shyamalan chose what I think of as his objectively worst movie to, to rail against critics Do you really think Lady in the Water was the worst? Maybe Devil wasn't Was a little bit worse I heard I heard Devil was pretty ah, man. good Man, I, I think we're on different ends of the spectrum there What do you think is the worst M. Night movie? I haven't seen Devil I think the worst one
0: is probably um, The Happening
1: Oh, you know what? I never saw The Happening <laughs> I, uh, I saw a movie called The Haps And I thought it was the same But it was different
0: <laughs> um, My one thing about Lady in the Water You mm-hmm. can cut this no, it's all, I want to know. Um, Paul Giamatti has to find out about like all of this like mysticism or whatever, and he finds about from from like this uh, old Chinese lady, and so she's like t- sharing with him and stuff. And like Emma Chalmers is like East Indian, like I feel like like he's like a person of color, but like the way that he approached kind of like Chinese like stuff w- felt really like or- felt mildly like Orientalism. Hmm. And here's the thing that really gets me. Is the names are, like, not names that could ever be, like, Chinese. Like, I think what if the monster or one of the creature names was, like, Narfs. And it's like, you can't tell a Chinese, like, that's not a word a Chinese person would say, yeah, like, I
1: think. There's there's sounds in there that, like, aren't in the Chinese language. Like, you never put, like, an R and an F that close together in Chinese. That's a Narfs. such a European thing to... Uh, yeah, he didn't have a lot of linguistic depth there. Anyway... Anyway, uh, what were we talking uh, We about were talking about? about this. Oh, this new wall breaking scene in which, yeah, I think you've probably got the nail in the head there, man. In that well, they're trying to rail against their critics who are like, "Hey, this is too dangerous. You can't do a scary Scooby Doo." But my whole thing is that animated shows and look, all
0: TV shows take so much like post production because of like um, animating or like sorry, because of animation that how could they possibly have known that this was the back- backlash that they were going to get? Because I'm pretty sure typically, like, a whole season is done or, like, mostly done mm. where they start putting episodes on. Yeah, up. they
1: don't do one episode, get feedback, and then do the next episode. They just do it all at once. That's, I think you're right there, too. So maybe it's just a meta fourth wall break that they just do as a gag. As a whole, can we also just say that kids would not have enjoyed this? I don't think kids would enjoy this gag. I think it's a little bit too high-handed and a little bit heady as well it's yeah i mean as a 27 year old kid i didn't i didn't think it was a great scene but it was kind of wild and in the end it brings us around to saying no the dragon should have some sympathy scrappy gestures to the dragon and says loretta wants to see him unemployed and that's unacceptable and the dragon has a halo in that yeah, scene, to show that he's a good guy so he's a good guy sympathy for the dragon and, that's what we need and scooby pops out playing a sad violin to really lay it on thick this is the last, this is the second time this episode
0: I've made, like, a sympathy for the devil joke. And I don't think I know what sympathy for the devil is. Is it a
1: song? I don't know what that is either. That just sounds like a phrase. Oh, it's sympathy for the devil lyrics. Sounds like it is. The Rolling Stones. Yeah, that's just one of those things where, like, I know about it. But I don't, like, know about it, know about it. You know enough to refer to it. Uh, um, we cut from that meta scene. That meta scene ends, and we are back with the dragon. This time, it's back to being an evil dragon. It's still, it's still
0: chasing them, um, and they're trying to get to the castle. But uh, Maldor like, is creating like he's like earth bending, uh, like walls That's, in front of them.
1: That is what he's doing. Yeah, he's uh, he's changing. He's creating this uh, this rock barrier in front of them, and these trees that are getting in their way. And they end up being cornered by the dragon. Yeah, and now it's time for the Scooby-Doo. And, remarkably, the Scooby-Doo here has almost nothing to do with Scooby or Shaggy. Well, what I think is cool is the
0: entire gang, and I guess we're back to calling them the gang. I think we were calling them the group in an early incarnation. But it has the entire gang's participation, which I thought was very cool.
1: It's true. The entire gang is participating, but Flim Flam is heading it up big time. Normally, we see Scooby or Shaggy kind of taking the reins and talking to the monster, but... Flimflam is the lead here.
0: To start out with, like right before we get deep into the Scooby Doop, which we will
1: explain. Oh, what is the Scooby Doop? Our listeners are wondering because we probably haven't talked about it in the past. What is the Scooby Doop, Luke? Well, the Scooby Doop is a gag that typically Scooby and Shaggy play, although I guess other people can play it too. In which they create a social situation in which the pressures are so high on the monster that he must conform. Uh, for instance, greeting him in a particular way that. Uh, as if he's like the patron of a business and he has to act like the customer because they're treating him like one.
0: Scooby and Shaggy are like the maitre d' and the uh, and the waiter, respectively. And the monster feels that like, oh, it needs to be seated at this table and it needs to have like a napkin like uh, put on its lap, etc.
1: It's often something with the service industry. If we were going to do something that's magic or castle related, what would be a scooby Doop example?
0: Uh, I mean, maybe they could put on like an actual magic show. And i think this would work really well here yeah. because then they would like saw someone in half but it would be like Flim Flam in the top half mm. and scrappy in the bottom half because they're both little they could both fit into the boxes
1: that's right oh that's good i was thinking they might set up like a jousting kind of thing where they give the uh monster a lance and point him towards like a wall or just a rock and scooby is the maiden and like gives him a a handkerchief oh like a favor or a token or whatever exactly mm. fa- exactly that and then shaggy is uh is reffing it referee because they have referees for those yeah things. we've all seen a night's tale <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah shaggy's wearing the striped uh outfit with a whistle and he gets them to charge at the rock which then smashes the monster and they get an opportunity to run away that's the scooby-doop
0: so the scooby-doop in this case is flim flam just kind of saying to the dragon like oh, you've got you've got talent i can see it now demon dragon barbecue it's a whole chain of them
1: yeah so uh, flim flam's just trying to uh, spitball business models at the dragon trying to entice him into not killing them all we need is like all we need is a catchy jingle and then
0: the entire gang comes together and they sing um if you're in a hurry you're in a hurry and
1: and want a a great great big big feast,
0: feast drag them down to dragons and
1: just ask where's the beast Drag on down to dragons. Hey man, you wanna you wanna drag on down to Chipotle? I could go for a burrito. That's a new phrase to me. And look, the dragon
0: is not impressed. It it tortures him.
1: Flimflam rolls out another idea. He's not to be deterred. He says, Okay, you know you know what? We'll make it a drive in. And then he proceeds to try and sell the dragon a car, as if that's what a drive in is. Is a used car lot.
0: I really liked Flimflam selling him a car because like uh here we have a, a 1924 conestoga station wagon incomplete with no wheels or engine and i loved the delivery of the like it comes incomplete with not you
1: know with things that it's lacking i thought that was really funny he said it's yours to push off the lot for just 14.95 and my question is is that 1495 dollars or just 15 bucks
0: <laughs> because it's that it's a it's another crappy car and then um flim flam's like okay 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 we have the 1946 compact spitfire made for dragons on the go and it's like a clown it's smaller than a clown car
1: it's tiny but it is a nice car it's like a dragon um, recognizes it
0: what are those you've seen you've seen them do they have them in minnesota
1: like the really really tiny cars like a smart car a smart car that's what they're called yeah yeah I, I i think they have them everywhere and i really like smart cars i think it's a good look and a, it's very efficient it's, it's it's as it's as small as a smart car yeah and they push the dragon inside yeah it's like wedge the dragon inside so it is kind of like a dragon in a clown car and
0: here's my other favorite part um uh Flimflam's like no dice eh uh then here's my final offer no, please, please don't hurt me. I'm begging you. I'll
1: do anything. Please don't kill me.
0: I thought that was like, I really like it. I guess I like it when people cravenly beg.
1: I like that, the, the switch in power dynamic where Flim Flam is like this confidence man and he, he does two really great hard sells to this dragon under pressure. And then he totally crumbles. And I I really, I should have said this
0: at the outset of the episode. I'm, as much as I hated the first episode of this show, I loved this episode. I thought it was a blast. I had a great time.
1: This episode had so much color and life in it, and I think a big part of what made it good is that uh, Bogle and Weird were not in it. I think that they were dead weight.
0: Yeah, Flimflam just ends up being like a generally kind of likable character. I think he- he's really fun.
1: I mean, he does a lot to carry this episode, and partly it's because he gets way more screen time than most of the other cast. Flimflam, my most doubted character initially.
0: So they do get away. Uh, you did mention something about, like, what's fun is people hiding, and you can see where they are based on, like, the shape of the item. Yeah. And here, they have their faces in the brick gaps of a wall.
1: It stretches the limits of our, uh, our ability to accept the absurd. Also the limits of, like, their faces and head sizes. Like, it... well, Yeah, like, there's, it's like there's these little stone gaps in the wall, and they each squeezed in the gap, but it's not like their whole body is fit in the gap. It's just like their face has stretched to form that whole whole shape. It's it's a, it's an ill-advised visual gag, I think. Yeah, if you ask me, Scooby Dudes, cover your holes.
0: The next scene that we see. <laughs> so they want they want to get in the castle, and guarding the castle are these rats, kind of dressed like the Nutcracker.
1: That's exactly what I had. They're like oh, giant beautiful. humanoid rats in Nutcracker uniforms.
0: You know Nutcrackers, they like open things. They're wielding
1: these weapons that
0: look like bottle openers.
1: Yeah, that I didn't quite catch what the weapons were supposed to be but they looked menacing this too kind right? of was reminiscent of the weapons in wizard of oz by those guards kind of scary dude i swear i swear if if
0: i could make a replica
1: of one of these it would open bottles perfectly <laughs> it would open giant bottles. Oh, you could do a small version of it it does look like a bottle opener you could definitely use it for that purpose and uh, and flim flame again heads up another scooby Dupe trying to sneak in uh in which he's
0: just like hey guards you know like let's pass we're doing a tour of the castle uh, and yeah. it, it initially works, but then it fails.
1: Yeah, they dressed up as tourists with all these Hawaiian shirts, but the the rats are apparently pretty sharp because they catch them right away and then bring them before Meldo, Meldor. Uh, and
0: Maldor, very foolishly, this is on him completely. Says, uh, "Do you have anything to say before I pass sentence?" And of course they
1: do. Yeah, like yeah, we're gonna defend ourselves. Meldor, you're an evil wizard. Why would you try and adhere to the court of law, to the rule of law, to justice? And and
0: both Scrappy and Flimflam come out as the prosecutor and the defendant,
1: respectively? Yeah, both as both lawyers in this trial. And Scoob is the one on the stand. I don't know why they're not both the defendants. Yeah, why aren't they both- They've decided to
0: take opposite sides to this case. I think it's
1: because they recognize that Maldor made a mistake suggesting that they have a trial, when he clearly doesn't have a prosecuting attorney. Like, Maldor is situated himself as the judge, but he has no prosecutor. And then Scrappy starts browbeating the witness. (laughs) His uncle. You'd think that Scrappy would take the role as the prosecutor so he can softball Scooby, but no, he is doggedly going after his uncle. Uh, Where
0: were you on the night of December third, April fourth, May the fifth?
1: Now let's take a pause. Scrappy just mentioned three dates this episode aired in september of 1985 so presumably he's referring to may 5th 1985 april 4th 1985 and december 3rd 1984. and there were events on each of those three days are you serious Did I you actually am... looked this up i looked up each of these this day in history this seems like more a me
0: <laughs> thing to do please i am i really want to know what you had covered
1: <laughs> let's begin with may 5th the most recent of the events mentioned that was the day that donald bailey died Donald Bailey, of course, we all know is the British inventor of the portable truss bridge, which some say won World War II. So, there are some far reaching implications here. What did Scooby do to this man, and why did he do it? <laughs> all right, please go on. So, Scooby is a secret Nazi. April 4th, 1985, Kate Roberts, a Welsh nationalist writer, died. And. Tulane University of uh, New Orleans canceled its basketball season amidst a point shaving scandal. So we have either a sports scandal or the death of a Welsh nationalist, also something kind of British related. And uh, it it could be one or the other, maybe both.
0: Lastly, December 3rd.
1: None of that comes even remotely close to December 3rd. Which, as we all know, December 3rd, 1984, was the second day of the Bhopal disaster, a gas leak in India resulting in 2,529 immediate deaths, not to speak of half a million individuals exposed to toxic gases and chemicals, one of the worst natural disasters, industrial disasters, in the history of mankind. So these three events have some sort of tenuous connection that Scrappy is indicating that Scooby is in on. <laughs> researching that was my favorite part of this episode (laughs) um wow i think scooby is a british evil agent agent for evil of some sort maybe a secret nazi
0: which is and i think that flimflam is picking up what you're laying down uh because he then accuses um he then accuses scrappy of putting words in his client's mouth to which scooby then pulls a ticker tape out of his mouth with words printed on it
1: and those words none of those words have been spoken up to this point they're all all unrelated words like least
0: of all scooby scooby has not said he's not said anything anything,
1: let alone the words bird cat dog lawsuit and we don't even know what other words are on there
0: i'm really glad lawsuits like you know they're they're keeping it uh connected um
1: yeah i mean honestly i feel like we could spend a whole episode just on the conspiracy theories derived from these few throwaway sentences um,
0: Flimflam says that uh, Scooby will put himself at the mercy of the court. So Scooby jumps into Maldor's arms and starts weeping and pleading with him, which I again really like. I think I think that- I just think that's really funny.
1: It's not a bad idea. Flimflam says, no hang on. Yeah, Scrap sa- okay, yeah, Scrappy says, my client pleads temporary insanity. And for one thing, Scrappy, you were the prosecutor. <laughs> <laughs> Flimflam says the prosecution drops all charges, which is an odd thing for defense to say.
0: Um and at one point Flimflam picks up scrappy. Oh. Go ahead, please. Uh,
1: this is for me the weirdest part of the whole episode. Oh, so this is the this number is 1. The this, number I was one. going to ask what the top for you oh, was. Oh yeah, this topped it out by far. In that Flimflam picks up scrappy, the second smallest character picks up the smallest, and in this quiet drawn out moment, it takes a moment kisses scrappy initially it looks like they kiss on the lips and then we realize it must have been the cheek because they exchange another kiss on the other cheek and then flim flam sets scrappy down this is no longer a kangaroo court this is a bonobo court (laughs) if you will i look is that a thing is that a thing where (laughs) (laughs) have you never seen a full episode of law and order it always (laughs) ends with the prosecution and the defense kissing each other french kisses not french kisses excuse me like little cheek packs yeah like literal french kisses (laughs) unless unless it's a murder trial if it's murder one then that is a tongue kiss that they do
0: yeah it was this weirdly sober (laughs) moment in this
1: (laughs) it was not like a gag there were no like funny smooch sound effects or like the silly music stings it was just like they're having a moment let's let them do this listeners
0: i'm gonna put a gif in there scooby
1: you you can check it out for yourself. You gotta check this out for yourself. That that was the moment that I knew this is an incredible episode that really deserved to be canonized and discussed.
0: That that is fair. That's a that's a very understandable highlight.
1: Yeah, uh, Meldor locks everyone up. Somehow he's not convinced by that proceeding. They
0: they find Zadgraz in the jail, and Zadgraz says, "In the right hands, the wand fills the earth with beauty." He's talking about his, his wand.
1: Yeah. So this is Zadgraz. Of the wonderful wand of Zadgras. Uh, they say that they're going to find a way out.
0: Zadgrass says, look, I've been in here forever. There's no way out. They say, how about over there? And then there's sort of like n- in neon light signs.
1: Yeah, flashing Las Vegas neon signs, all flashing exit and pointing to this open doorway. Uh, it's not open. It is actually shut. Um, because oh, that's right. They,
0: they all push on it. Eventually, it spins like a revolving door, miraculously not trapping anyone's limbs they're all sent down these various shoots which send them to these different areas uh scrappy and flimflam uh bounce on top of the rat guards scooby and shaggy end up in a kitchen and daphne mm-hmm. into one of those oh, yeah. in, into a bed that's like uh this snow white sleeping booty kind of or
1: i guess more snow white because it's encased in glass um for, we first see scooby Doo and shaggy in the uh in the kitchen and scooby is making a stew as he sings the theme song from the new Scooby-Doo movies. Scoo- scooby doo dooby- doo looking for you. scooby doo doo where are ya? Kind of a nice reference. <laughs> they are making a
0: stew. Uh, Shaggy says, make sure you stir this, the soup, Scoob, and, and gives him
1: a ladle that he picks out of this drawer, which is covered in gems and made of gold. <laughs> so it looks to be the magic wand of, of uh, Zadgraz, that Scooby has picked up, and he's now stirring the soup with it. <laughs> What's happening?
0: It's really, the, I don't understand the powers initially, at least, of this wand, because as he's stirring the soup, animals start to come out of it.
1: Like a rabbit, like, jumps up. Right, so here's my thought, is this wand makes bad things good, and when they stir the soup, these animals start crawling out of the soup, which makes me think all of these animals were ingredients of the soup, and it's now bringing them back to life like a rabbit and uh, and all these other animals it's that like are crawling out a bat out. comes out a bat comes out and eventually yeah. a full elephant climbs out like an, an elephant an
0: entire like bull elephant
1: yeah, yeah like initially wraps its no its trunk around the uh, the ladle and then climbs out and looks mad
0: uh, Scooby also tries the soup he so after he sips soup from this ladle he becomes a duck a moose and a toucan
1: like just his head just his head transforms to each of those and then back to normal, because that's what good soup does, man.
0: They run away from the elephant. That's what gets them out of there. Um Flim Flam is playing, uh, he's being like a little huckster. He's like Yeah, he's playing the
1: cup and ball variation of three-card Monty using the rat guard's hats. Three? Oh, wow, you knew the, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Technically, three-card Monty is with cards, but this is, we all know the cup and ball version. Where's the pretty lady finder? Uh, these rats are bad at the game. Uh, but they initially, like, he does a swap, and then he pulls up a hat, and there's cheese under it. And he says, you've almost won the game, but these are rat guards. That's what they want.
0: kind of ridiculous that Flynn Flam also frames this little parlor trick as uh, there's a winner every game, which he just demonstrated as not being true this past round in which none of the rats won.
1: Like they they found the cheese, but he didn't even let them keep it. Presumably he is the winner every game. (laughs) Uh,
0: he lifts up the hat that they choose, and Scrappy throws pies at the rats. Yeah,
1: Scrappy's under there, throws pies at the rats. They run away out of the open jail cell door, which has been open the whole time. Uh, Scooby and Shaggy and Flim Flam and Scrappy run into each other. Uh, they meet up and see Maldor put Daphne into a deep sleep.
0: Yeah, the sleep of the century. Mm-hmm. Maldor sees the wand and says, "Give it to me." He does. He's like, he he's, At first, he's kind of like um, Jack Sparrow. Trying to get the the dog with the keys in its mouth to come to the cell door, like he's treating Scooby like an actual animal
1: that he can like coax to him. Oh yeah, wait even before that moment, Scrappy reacts to seeing Daphne put into sleep, and he says, "You creep! What are you doing to Daphne?" And Maldor says, "Not half as much as I'm going to do to you," which is the most disturbing line in the whole show. What does that mean? I guess, I, I guess he'll kill them, right? Are that... you going to put him into a permanent sleep? I hope you're just going to kill him. I hope that's what you're talking about, man. And from there, Maldor notices in, that Scooby is holding this magic wand of Zadgras, and he starts trying to coax Scooby so seductively. And
0: Scooby does... And this was a thing I remember from being a kid, was if you when you wanted to notify those around you that someone was crazy, uh, just to, I guess, use ableist terminology very briefly you would sort of like point to your head and spin it in a in a circle
1: yeah like it is it was a really it's really not an okay thing to do and a mean thing to do but it was common when we were kids
0: so so scooby does this and then points at uh points at maldor like Maldor's like off his rocker if he thinks i'm gonna give this wand. yeah to him.
1: and maldor kind of notices that and he tries to blast scooby with a uh, a blast of maldor's magic
0: uh and scooby like runs th- through the hole um, and before we go out to this uh, this little, you know, this little, like, magical melee that's happening outside, we take a... Vi-
1: yeah, because Scooby and Shaggy have, no, excuse me, Scooby and Maldor have a, a showdown with magic. We, we take a
0: very brief moment to see Scrappy standing by Daphne's bedside, uh, and,
1: like, tears fall down his face. He's weeping for Daphne, who's asleep and not dead, but he is, man, Scrappy, you're... You're showing some emotional range this episode.
0: Yeah, Scrappy is not like like the tenacious pug. Can I say pugnacious as well? That like also works, right? That's good. That
1: works, yeah. especially cuz like pugs are small dogs. L- like belligerent
0: little like yeah, scrappy character. He's he's a lot more quiet. He has he has
1: scared moments. He has sad moments. Man, Scrappy is uh carrying the emotional weight of this show. Uh, And, and yeah, like you said, outside, Maldor and and Scooby are facing off. And this is a scene that reminded me a lot of uh, the The Sword Sword in the Stone. Stone. Yes. With with the the battle between Merlin and... um, uh, What was her name? The Witch. I don't know. I don't remember the Witch's name. But that battle, which is also kind of reminiscent of um, Sandman's fight with Lucifer, they keep trying to find things that will counter each other. They turn into things. And it's... It's not
0: explicitly that mm. But just like the scene Because it's like, you know, foggy and, and in Sword in the Stone It also takes place in this creepy forest So there are a lot of sim- Like, at least visually yeah. They're very similar um, And at first Scooby doesn't quite know what to do Until he gets like A little voiceover of Zadgraz saying In the right hands The wand fills the world with beauty And up to this point mm.
1: The wand is in his mouth and uh, what's the what's a series of events there? Scooby is initially dodging Maldor's uh, magic shots, but then takes the wand into his hands and what does he do? Uh, the the ants or the tree, the evil trees are attacking
0: him and he turns one of the trees back into uh, into a tree, into like a static.
1: That's right. He turns yeah, turns them back into nice little apple trees and he uses the wand to turn the dragon into a rabbit. And as they're battling Scooby and Maldor, Scooby, uh, excuse me, Shaggy, Scrappy, and Flim Flam are trying to They're wake Waterboarding Daphne. Up. <laughs> waterboarding her—it's <laughs> true. Uh, Get mo for your money is what the Scooby dudes say here. <laughs> They're pouring a bucket of water onto Daphne's face. Shaggy
0: does, to his credit, apologize before uh, before engaging in what the UN
1: has deemed <laughs> <laughs> to be unacceptable torture methods. The Geneva Convention says no, but Shaggy says yes. Yeah, we have this. Uh, Scooby is dodging all of these
0: magical attacks. Some of them, he deflects and they turn into flowers. Maldor then makes himself
1: enormous. Like, bigger than the Mm. castle big. So tall. All I could think of was Aladdin for this scene. Where the genie becomes massive. With the cobra. Or the cobra becomes massive. Both the genie as Robin Williams becomes massive and Jafar as a genie are massive on this scale. Like, huge and billowing. and... And, And the way that they frame it where, like, you're looking up and then you also see
0: Scooby's face and he's, like, terrified. Yeah, understandably. And Scooby... He has a wand, he has magic, he does not then make himself big. We do not get sort of like a Godzilla v. King Kong, or like Kaiju versus uh, Jaeger kind of fight here.
1: No, if anything, he takes what Meldor says and goes the wrong direction with it. Meldor, who's massive, says, I will swat you like a fly. Scooby takes that and becomes a fly, a yet smaller creature.
0: And he has like a little, like do- he has like a dog-like face, but yeah, he's a little fly who's somehow still managing to heft around this golden yeah, ladle. Yeah, and
1: somehow is now invisible um, despite holding a normal-sized golden ladle.
0: Maldor says, Scooby-Doo,
1: where are you? It's nice, nice callback. And his
0: his tactic is to become, he's like, oh, you're a fly, I will become a fly catcher. And he becomes a frog. <laughs> and like a normal-sized frog.
1: Yeah, like you don't want to become a special frog, a magic frog maybe. No, you're just going to go to a frog. That's admirable, almost. <laughs> not quite landing uh, playing field. Back in the castle, Shaggy
0: has removed one of Daphne's feet. Sorry, uh, shoes. <laughs> feet. He tick- sawed <laughs> off one of
1: her feet and never to wake her up, but to no, ava- no avail. <laughs> uh, we,
0: we get a little we get a little bit more of a hint. I know we did this in the first episode at the nature of their relationship in which uh, he's tickling her barefoot with a feather and he's kind of like, "Oh, come on, Daphne. Uh, I know you're ticklish, and it's like, Shaggy, why? <laughs> How did you, when did you, what was the, can we, oh, huh? Yeah, what's the context in which you were, you were fondling Daphne's yeah. bare feet? Come back to that, to that to scene!
1: Uh, they also try and use an alarm on Daphne, which doesn't work, and doesn't have too much uh, subtext to it. None of it works, obviously.
0: They do realize, however, that now that Maldor is a frog... What better time to catch him in the chest?
1: Yeah, because Flim Flam and Scrappy have kind of gone to the window and they're watching this battle happen.
0: Uh, Flim Flam pulls it out of his hoodie pocket. Yeah, his hammer space hoodie pocket. Uh, he also has what, like an old timey TV in there.
1: Yeah, he pull, You're right. He pulls out like a box set television, and sets it down, and then pulls out the box, the the chest. And I thought he was gonna set the chest on, or there was gonna be some. Then no, he just pulled the TV out for no reason. He just, yeah, had just to there. show
0: all the wacky stuff he can pull out um, and then they, they race out of the castle uh, they, they open up the chest of demons and they catch Meldor, Meldor gets in there, they've got the first
1: ghost yeah. they scoop up Meldor in the chest and that's it they've caught the, that is the first ghost that's right, we didn't catch one in the previous episode and then
0: we ha- we have a callback to like my favorite like black and white cartoon reference, which is that Scooby is small, he's a fly oh. and he says, uh, help me, help me emperor's new groove right no that's like that no but that's that is is internal reference to a black and white cartoon and it's about these little they're like these little animated flies they're animated in kind of like that steamboat willie style and one of them is captured by a spider he's in the center of the web
1: and he and then he help me help me that's where it's from i had no Um, idea i thought that was an emperor's new groove thing and i love that help
0: me Whenever I see that reference in anything, I lo- I just think it's such a fun, funny reference.
1: It works so well. It's timeless,
0: and it's made even funnier that he's saying "relp me"
1: because help he's Scooby Doo, and uh, and he does get some help. I think it's Flim Flam, or uh, or Scrap. No, Scrappy uses the wand on Scooby, makes him big again, but he still has compound eyes and fly wings.
0: Scrappy tries to turn Scooby into a, uh, into a dog again, and it's much like um. Oh my gosh, what's his name? I found out recently that he's Canadian. I'm really sad that I can't just, like, drop this reference. You can just edit this in a way that makes me seem like I know what I'm talking about. It's... <laughs> um, so, so Scrappy takes the wand and tries to turn his uncle back into a Great Dane, back into a dog. And unfortunately, uh, Scooby is caught midway between Fly and Canine. Like some sort of Cronenbergian, uh, Cronenbergian monstrosity.
1: <laughs> that is perfect. And he does look, Scooby does not look normal. He looks kind of monstrous, too. Uh,
0: Scrappy makes a little quip, there's still some bugs in it. <laughs> still some bugs to work out. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We, Now we got the final scene. Uh, because we do solve the problem of Daphne being in her
1: century-long sleep. At, same with Princess Esmeralda, they're both under the weather we don't care
0: about like let's be real we don't care about we don't that care. much
1: but i at this point i would let daphne stay in that sleep because i'm so curious as to who princess esmeralda is who is this dog creature is this a beautiful princess who's been cursed or what uh Zadgras
0: says regretfully that the only way the spell can be broken is by the
1: kiss of a great danish prince and this is oh that's so sad because there's no danes around here let alone any danes who are great um so they walk away they lock up the castle hopefully someday someone will come rescue these two uh scooby pops out and he's dressed like errol flynn he very robin hoodie yeah a hundred percent
0: robin hood clothes uh and he he uh he licks daphne's face which is a dog kiss
1: that's how dogs kiss it is he you want to say he could have licked her like her cheek or something but he licked her from the chin to the nose Like, right over the mouth. Like, got that whole way up in there. And what I liked is that after Daphne awakens, her and Scooby hug, they share a hug. It's so nice. You know, that's happened in the last episode, too, is that after she is uh, turned back from a werewolf, she and Shaggy have a very nice hug. Like, a very, not even, like, romantic or sexual, just like a really, like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're okay. And speaking of werewolves, I seriously thought that, like, Scooby was gonna wake
0: up my my idea was Scooby was going to go wake up Princess Esmeralda, and he it turns out that he had awoken a werewolf. Because for some reason, I thought that along with giant inflatable ducks, werewolves were just going to feature in every episode.
1: Yeah, I thought I was going to see uh, Flim Flam spraying more of his uh, joy juice all over the place, but it <laughs> didn't happen this time. No, do you want to share with us uh, this, this Esmeralda reveal? Okay, so the Esmeralda... Scooby... Pulls the uh, veil back and kisses Esmeralda, or licks her. We don't know. We don't see it. Off screen. Off screen. Um, And then when we do zoom into her face as she wakes up, she turns out to be a Great Dane exactly like Scooby-Doo with chipmunk teeth out front. And And, uh, lipstick. And lipstick, so it's clearly a female dog. And Scooby is horrified. Like Uh, Esmeralda says, My rinse! And chases Scooby out of the hole in the wall.
0: And Scooby says, oh my gosh (laughs) which is like this is a dog scooby this should be what you're into this is my least favorite trope in like old cartoons and stuff which is like the ugly woman like chases the man who like finds her undesirable
1: yeah but she's so thirsty she's gonna chase him and he apparently has no means to rebuff her safely and she's
0: always like she's always like hideous she's always like like this this Conventionally unattractive woman.
1: That that's a good that's a good way of phrasing it. And it's here. It doesn't even make sense. It's like she looks exactly like a female like counterpart for Scooby Doo would look, but for the chipmunk buck teeth. Which, frankly, I think that can be an attractive quality. So it's. Why did you look over when you said that? Empty Sam was walking past right there. That was not a comment specifically directed <laughs> towards Empty Sam. Uh, but yeah, it's, she's not even unattractive, and it's not even an unreasonable matching for Scooby Doo.
0: Yeah, it's just why is why is Scooby not so really. horrified? He's like, he's aghast
1: at what he's found, and, and flees. He's still wearing his Errol Flynn getup as he runs away. Like, like they run like into the into the horizon
0: that's like that's to indicate just how far away scooby will run from her and how far she'll go to chase him down yeah
1: on a scale of right here to team rocket they're on the team rocket end of the way in the distance yeah they're way out there um vincent price wraps things up for us with one last little uh uh a rhyme a couplet yeah a couplet and Uh, so sweet prince we bid adieu to the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Or to the one of the ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, there are 12 more out there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We've got 11 more episodes and 12 more ghosts to catch. So, uh, I assume, I assume,
0: like, and I think I said this last time, I assume, like, and Scott Pilgrim, they're going to double up at one of these episodes.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to be a double ghost. Either the last episode will have, they'll catch two major ghosts, or there will be a pairing of ghosts. Two related ghosts. Yeah, twin like, ghosts, like twin ghosts, like, like the Katayinaki
0: exactly. twins. in, uh, I think book... I think it's book five.
1: I think they appear in the first movie, along with all the others. There's just one movie. I love that movie. You saw Baby Driver, right? thought Baby Driver was good. Uh, the first half of Scott Pilgrim is unparalleled in movies in general. The second half is a little weak, but still fun.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to see what Edgar Wright is going to keep doing.
1: Uh, I hope,
0: I hope, like, with Baby Driver, I hope he keeps making original films.
1: I hope so, too. He's... I like that he did Baby Driver, even though it's not my favorite of his, just because I feel like that's put him on a wider platform. Like, it's gotten a lot of people in touch with Edgar Wright, who otherwise would never go see one of his movies.
0: Oh, yeah. Sorry, uh, listeners. Uh, Uh, That was...
1: What were we talking about?
0: (laughs) The thing about 13 Ghosts, if we were going to go into all the Scooby tropes, is that so many of the Scooby tropes don't apply because there's no mystery.
1: Yeah, that's the problem... you would say it's a problem or it's a feature of this series is that it has no mysteries episode to episode it's just going from gag to gag and supernatural thing to supernatural thing and you could say it raises the stakes because it's a little scarier because there is a real monster but eh, there's something lost in the process so what's your take on your anticipation for the next episode of this series um i am i imagine that this first episode was really
0: fantastical Mm. Right? They're, they basically went into, like, a magic
1: kingdom. Pretty much. It, yeah, it was kind of like they were in this little um, biome of uh,
0: magic. So I, I do like to think, and, and I can't remember, like, I know that I've seen sort of, like, the episode listening or whatever. But I like to imagine that the next episode will be a little bit more grounded. Maybe they go to, like, a real-life city instead of, like, this, like, yeah, like, a, this magic kingdom.
1: Yeah, I, I want to see a different kind of setting. I feel like it's been very dark, very overcast. Uh, in this episode and the last episode was very cold and stark I want to see a different kind of setting maybe something tropical maybe something urban one of those two things I think would give us some real flavor
0: but let me just say man like 13 goes to scooby doo I, d- I
1: dig it it's it's weird it' it's keeps it's been keeping me on my toes it keeps you on your toes I mean the three things that caught me from a deep left field were the uh, the meta moment uh the crystal ball bouncing on the row, row, row you wrote and the kiss. And the kiss on its own would have me buckled up for the next episode. I'm already in on that. I will say, at this point, just after watching this
0: episode, they really don't need Scrappy. Like, there's no reason for Scrappy to be around.
1: Scrappy, he's, like, spill over Flim Flam. Really, he has no need to
0: be here at all. Like, if flimflam Flam is brave in lieu of Scrappy, then we don't need Scrappy. And also... If Scrappy's not brave, then he's not being saved by Scooby and Shaggy, which even more so, like, lessens the amount of interactions he has with, with other characters.
1: I completely agree. And this is coming off of our last episode with Scrappy being one that I quite enjoyed. So I don't think there's no way Scrappy can work somewhere, but here he just has no place. He's been completely... Everything he does has been taken over by someone else. So,
0: in my, just to, to come out and say this, 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo completely redeemed for me. Mm. um shaggy and scooby-doo get a clue i remember laughing a lot
1: <laughs> there were a lot of funny parts it was just so it was both hilarious and terrible like it was so bad like the was some of the worst writing but some of the funniest gags yeah like just some of those physical
0: comedy gags
1: <laughs> like i'm imagining the the window coming down on the fingers is that what you're imagining too and the eyes popping out and silent screaming <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Moments like that, yeah. which like they they uh, they go above and beyond Scooby moments. They just become great moments.
0: Which is to say, listeners, um, I yeah, I love Scooby Doo, and I think I'm starting. I I think that even the shows that I didn't like are starting to win me over. Like I I don't think that there's a there are a lot there's a lot of Scooby Doo that I don't ultimately find something endearing about.
1: it's hard to argue with that i think i agree even this series which i think aside from get a clue was the most out there weird setup has got some fun moments in it and granted i'm always gonna i'm gonna love the classics more and i'm gonna love be cool a lot more but uh still a lot of fun so do you want to go through some tropes and see what we hit this time around uh i think we should skip it for this one just because there are so few like there's they're not
0: like they're not looking for clues like there's no like corridor scene. there's not like there's not an unmasking there's a lot there's just so so much that we can't hit that it's um not for this really
1: the only one we hit is food scooby scooby and chaggy eat food that's the thing which again i
0: love oh man i i think that was like a, a dream of mine as a kid maybe that I might one day just be able to, like, build a sandwich.
1: Yeah, you know those, like, uh, gummy hamburgers? Yeah. And how you could, like, add more into them and make, like, your own dagwood out of them? The little Haribo, Haribo gu- uh, gummy burgers? Yeah, if you want to get real creative, you can throw a Swedish fish in there. Oh, yeah. my gosh, that sounds great. Mix it
0: up. I'm really hungry. I said, I know that we ended an episode. Don't end this episode also with me saying I'm hungry. Because <laughs> I
1: liked that you did it last time. I just don't want you to do it again. <laughs> yeah. It occurred to me that at a certain point you might start getting really careful with the last things you say Because that's where I start looking for a good sting you you've been really on point with them I I think that they've been like really solid That was episode 13 of Ghost Whisperer Thank you for joining us for this particular episode. It was a
0: joy (laughs) this is uh, this is the scooby Dudes, This is the intro portion
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is the outro, man and that was 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, episode 2. <laughs> yeah, Scoobra Kadubra. It was a It was a tight episode, dude. Yeah, man, it was great.
0: Uh we're still seeing a lot of that like flim flam uh scrappy overlap like they're 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 both like they're both trying to
1: like push each other out of the limelight. They're almost jostling for primacy, but Flimflam clearly has won that battle scrappy has been really relegated to the back line yeah. i mean Flimflam's bigger yeah yeah and i think Flimflam would win in a fight anyway that's what we determined last week so yeah go everyone go check this episode out if you haven't seen it already it's a fun one um we'll tell you a little bit about where to find us how to follow up on this sick episode you just listened to but keep in mind next week is going to be one of our favorites maybe my favorite ever it's episode one of be cool scooby-doo so stay tuned for that as well be cool scooby-doo is we've we've said this in the past the reason
0: that we started this podcast to begin with so uh l- like you said we're just
1: going to talk a little bit about where you can find oh, yeah. us. because you guys aren't done with us you need more they're all like oh man there's only a couple minutes left on this podcast and there's only like what is this episode 17 i need more but you can get more you deserve more you deserve more of ghost whisperer starring jennifer love hewitt and we're gonna give it to you x gonna give it to you is this a good outro <laughs> The whitest is gonna give it to the
0: X gonna give it to you. I've X ever is gonna from... give it to you. X is going to give it to
1: you. Do you have it? No? Well I'm X, and here it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh so X gonna give it to you. All these places you can follow up on us. Check us out. Uh what's the first place, Evan? Uh how about how about the website? Let's just start
0: big. Go to ScoobyDudes.com. Yeah. It, you are probably listening to this on an app of some sort. Uh like iTunes or Stitcher or or. I do FM player. I'm a big fan of it. I encourage everyone to check it out. Where Another place you can listen to uh, the podcast is
1: ScoobyDoods.com, And while you're there, there are other things that you can look at and read. ScoobyDudes.com is the best place to get uh, free additional content on the episode. We do screenshots with funny captions. Evan puts a lot of work into some very interesting show notes, outlining references and giving you some additional material. And we've got corrections. If we made any mistakes, we almost always catch them in that area. So yeah, ScoobyDoos.com, it's great. Um, yeah, oh, also additional
0: art from artists every week on the episode. Yeah, we, uh, as of as of this episode, or is it as of, no. Uh, this episode marks the second um, the second episode uh, with a beautiful title, title card by
1: Jason Lum. So mm. if you want to take a look at Jason that. Jason Lum, that title card is Jason Yum. Thank you. I hope he continues doing title cards for us in spite of that. He's scheduled to do two more. I really hope that this doesn't stop him from doing more. If he stops, he's a Jason bum. So whatever. Sorry, I'm chewing on a piece of Jason gum. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, you know, the usual
0: suspects, social media. We are on Facebook Mm -hmm. and we are on Twitter. Uh, So that is Facebook.com slash
1: Scooby Dudes. Twitter is... Uh, the Scooby Dudes, the one and only Scooby Dudes, the Scooby Dudes on Twitter. And then, lastly, I know, I know
0: it might be unbelievable. This, this is such a ludicrous prospect. We, yeah. we provide this podcast
1: to you for free, gratis. That, that is insane to me. I feel like I should pay for this when I listen to it, even as I'm editing it. I feel like I ought to be forking something over on top of the money that we're both already spending on hosting <laughs> <Upkeep>. <laughs> for the overhead. No, I feel like I should be paying into that, and in fact, I am. I am doubly donating to our effort on Patreon. Can you please remove yourself? Dude, I'm only going to add more. <laughs> just, you know that. The numbers
0: are so, like, they're not representative of reality. Luke, okay, for our <laughs> listeners, Luke has donated to this podcast via Patreon a total of two times. A dollar a piece. Which is two times more than he should have. I love the podcast so much. and The worst thing is, the Patreon pays into Luke's uh, PayPal account. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm not, I'm still losing money because Patreon takes its cut. <laughs> it takes 10%. Yeah, it definitely does. So, um,
0: it's, it's like you're, it's like you're laundering money. But uh, poorly. But, for but like
1: you're miss you know, but like actually doing laundry, like you keep missing a sock every time you do it. Yeah, and, and somehow it comes out dirtier than when it started. I'm taking clean money and I'm turning it into shame. So please go to patreon.com slash Scooby Dudes and donate to us so I don't have to patreon uh we on, what am i saying what am i doing in life what <laughs> gosh can we not can we talk about that after we're done evan can we get the outro done and then we'll talk about what you're doing in your no, life I didn't. also you're doing really well in your life <laughs>
0: yeah actually it's i'm a little bummed that i can't just make
1: these jokes about treading water and and wandering aimlessly you've got a sick internship with a uh with a publishing company as a fiction editorial intern yeah with with yeah man penguin canada uh when this when this episode
0: comes out uh two weeks from today i will be starting with uh penguin canada i'm pretty sure there's no like what's it called um uh not drm what's it called when you
1: can't talk about stuff um it's not a gag order or whatever it's uh all right (laughs) give me a second thing you sign that says you can't talk about stuff come on google be smarter than i am dumb it's definitely gonna give it to you it's not is it not
0: does that not work
1: <laughs> um let me see contract you sign that says you can't talk about ah, stuff there you go non-disclosure agreement yeah N- NDA I, I thought of that before I managed to google it which somehow makes me dumber yeah it actually does yeah.
0: <laughs> okay sorry listeners it th- that's all to say that there's there's no N- NDA preventing
1: me from letting you know I'm starting out Penguin please well, congratulate you, me not that you've signed just yet because you've gotten the offer and this might cause them to retract it can
0: you imagine
1: <laughs> the head of Penguin just being like I was listening to Scooby Dudes the other day my favorite podcast
0: can you, can you look through our interns and see if any of them uh, share the name uh,
1: Evan? Because uh, this guy spilled the beans. Like, well, I love this podcast and Evan was a great candidate, but we can't have him talking about his job with us on air. But you do have a great job. Check out Penguin <laughs> Canada, I guess. That's what we're shouting out here. And also check us out on Patreon because we have a lot of sweet additional content on there. And you can support our podcast. If you like listening to this, Um, donating to us makes it much more possible for us to keep doing this week after week. We do have a number of people who already donate to us. Dang, that's unbelievable. You will not be the first, which is unfortunate, Mm. uh, but you can join this illustrious group uh, whose names we say every single episode. Every single episode. And every week we shout out anyone new, every week we shout out everyone who's already donated to us. Let's start with new people. Is there anyone new? Unfortunately, not this week. Are you sure? Are you sure no one's slipped in a $1 donation at the last second? I haven't. No, I'm sorry. I'm just messing with you. (laughs) Because you make this joke all the time. Yeah. And some of the time, you have actually donated. I have actually donated a dollar, and I will again sometime. Unless you listeners donate to us instead. So please donate to me so I don't have to keep losing 10% a dollar at a time on Patreon. It's sad. I'm even sad for me um so patreon.com scooby dudes go donate support the podcast you love join our illustrious donors who we're going to shout out right now yeah. now we come to the end of our uh, the end of our podcast the end of our outro mm. almost really quick give us a five-star review on itunes we always forget to say that now yeah, we're at the we end have of our... three of them be the fourth be the fourth may the fourth be you nice now comes a part of the outro
0: slash the podcast uh, where Luke Luke looks for the perfect uh, the
1: perfect joke the perfect little bit to abruptly cut us off at. I, I wait for Evan to say something that he'd clearly hope we'd stop recording by, <laughs> and it's I showcase that. true though, that.
0: and it's it's right in the back of my head. I'm like, oh Evan, what are you gonna say? What are you gonna say that Luke will will take like this this unbridled joy in cutting you off at? I'm stopping
1: it right there. <laughs> that's the last thing wait, he says. I don't know, but that's, I knew the more I did that, the more you'd be on, on your guard as we wrap up these outros. Oh, crap, I need to tell our listener. oh, I, uh, I love you listeners. Oh, I love you, Evan. As a listener, I think your comment was directed towards me. You're not a listener. What am I? You, you edit the podcast,
0: but you don't are listen Are we to
1: humans the or are we listeners? I don't know, man. You're just,
0: uh, you're just a robot to me. You just, uh. The 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 audio right. content comes in goes in and it comes out edited, and there's there's no actual like human interaction
1: between you and the hey final man, product. I am not a robot. A robot. <laughs> Guess what? I am not a robot. I love that song. I love that song too. I listened to it a million times and watched one of those like people dancing to it things. I think you've probably seen the same thing. I'm pretty sure I was the one who turned you on. I think to it you were. That. Yeah, I think you linked me to it. She's a good dancer too. Yeah
0: uh is that it <laughs> i guess i guess it has to be Ooh, no, you now that's what? where i'm cutting it off <laughs> midway through this outro i was like yo six minutes incredible how like shortest outro we've ever done
1: <laughs> 12 and a half minutes
0: later oh man mm. they just these got so unwieldy i love it